This is the Diamond Hogs Podcast with Mason Choate and Robert Stewart. Welcome to the episode that I have been looking forward to the most of the Diamond Hogs Podcast, your favorite Razorback baseball podcast, the premier Razorback baseball podcast. I'm your host, Mason Choate. I'm joined by the baseball boy from hogbeat.com, Robert Stewart. Uh, we have an incredible episode for you today. I am so excited for this weekend, Arkansas versus Tennessee. It's just, oh my, it's it's been two years in the making, Robert. Two years in the making. I'm so ready for this. We have Matt Goodhart to uh, to give us some, some real-life experience of Arkansas versus Tennessee. He was there. He was on the field. He was playing. He, he was there. And so we have him to tell some stories. Uh, sounds like Tennessee messed with the uh, the showers for Arkansas, gave him some cold water. That was interesting. So uh, stick around for that. Uh, maybe a little insight into the uh, Dave Van Horn, Tony Vitello argument, all that. And then we also have Ryan Schumpert of Rocky Top Insider. He's going to give us some insight on Tennessee. Uh, a loaded episode of the Diamond Hawks podcast. We had to go all out for this one. It's Arkansas, Tennessee. Everybody knows that I freaking hate Tennessee. I hate them. I don't use the word hate lightly, Robert. I don't I don't use it lightly. I don't say it very often. I do not like Tennessee baseball. Um, but man, is it unfortunate that Jared Wagner might not play? Yeah, I mean, that's that's really the biggest news out of the midweek series against uh Arkansas Little Rock this week. Um, you know, they split games, whatever. Neither of them were particularly close, but you know, I I kind of laughed in, in the first inning when when Mason Neville pinch hit for Jared Wagner. I was like, oh wow, they're up five. They're they're sitting another starter just because they can at this point. But no, he uh he hurt his thumb, suffered a hairline fracture in his left thumb, sliding into third base. 50-50 shot to play. I mean, honestly, I'm surprised it's even that high. I mean, <laughs> you fracture, you know, it's hairline, it's not a full-on fracture, but uh even then, that's that's uh seems like a tough thing to pr- play through. But if there's one adjective I've heard used to describe Jared Wagner, that adjective is tough. I mean, is it just me or does does hairline fracture sound worse than break? Like I'd rather just break my finger than have a hairline fracture. I don't know. I mean, hairline like to me indicates small. It's not not a huge deal, but. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm just not a doctor. I I don't know. Definitely I'm not a doctor. Maybe I'm just an idiot. Also, the the bright side is so it's on his left thumb and he hits right handed. So it means that it's his bottom hand when he's gripping the bat. And according to Dave Van Horn, that helps him grip the bat. He said if you hurt your top hand thumb, it's going to affect you more than the bottom hand. Um, so he thinks um, it's more about the pain and not about the thumb. So, and that's, we kind of had some people over on the trough message board. Uh, that's at hogbeat.com. Subscribe to hogbeat.com, H-A-W-G-B-E-A-T.com. Some people were saying um, with a, with a hairline fracture, it's less about like, are you going to aggravate the injury more, like make it worse? And it's more about, you know, how much pain can you handle? Now, as Robert mentioned, he's not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. So that could be wrong. I'm just going off of what people have said. Uh, I know one of the one of the people that did comment that is, you know, very involved in baseball. I know he has a son that plays college baseball. So, um, you know, I trust his word a little bit. So that that there's some insight onto the Jared Wagner injury. Aside from that, we don't really know. We can, you know, provide 
perspective over like, you know, if he, if he can't go, here's what could happen. You're probably looking at either Hunter Grimes playing in left field or you put Kendall Diggs in right field, move Jace Borf into left field, and then you bring in another DH. Those are really the two options to me, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll we'll just have to see if he's uh if he's on the lineup card tomorrow night. Um I I think if if it's up to me based on what Hunter Grimes did in the field uh Wednesday, diving about six steps too early for a ball, I'd I'd rather see Kendall Diggs in, in the outfield. Um Josenberger's gotta be your center fielder Borf and we've seen him play left before. And uh, you know, Diggs had the one one tough misplay in uh in March against UNLV, I think it was. But I uh I think I think, you know, we've heard some confidence from Dave Van Horn that he's gotten better. We've heard some confidence from uh Tavian Josenberger talk to us as well about it. Um I, I think Kendall Diggs is probably your answer uh in as far as that third outfield slot goes. And then, you know, you just put whichever bat you want to throw in the DH spot at that point. The other big storyline, though, is Tennessee changing of the starting rotation. So, unfortunately, this happened after we talked to Ryan Shumpert of Rocky Top Insider, but they're going with a Friday night starter, which is Andrew Lindsay, who's been a relief pitcher all year. He hasn't started a game for Tennessee um, against Hunter Holland for Arkansas and then TBA for both teams Saturday and Sunday. Uh you know, some people joking around on Twitter like, dang, this TBA dude, his arm's going to hurt after the after the weekend. You know, I liked it the first time I saw it, and then once I saw it a couple times, I was like, okay, this isn't funny anymore, so let's just all cut that out. That's freaking annoying. Um, it's TBA, TBA. We know with Arkansas, like, we expected this. Davian Horn said it on Wednesday night. Like, you know, they're just going to do what they did against Ole Miss last weekend, go hauling, TBA, TBA. Uh, I think they're really – legit just taking it one game at a time with Tennessee it was a little bit of a surprise especially given the fact that the one guy that they named is Andrew Lindsay who he's probably been you know one of their best if not their best reliever all year but he hasn't started a game I mean it's surprising Robert it is um you know we we get into this with Ryan a little bit but the the bottom line is their top two guys Chase Dolander and Chase Burns just underachieving I mean if you just look at their conference numbers right now Chase Dolander, who is, you know, the projected number two draft pick going coming into the year, he's got a six-point ERA. He's one and two in, in four starts in league play. And then Chase Burns behind him, is, his ERA is almost 12 in four starts. He's 0-3. So, um, you know, the, those two guys are not getting it done for the Vols. I understand um, with, uh, with a, another top five opponent on the schedule, you know, they've played LSU in Florida in consecutive weeks now, I think. Uh, with another top five opponent, switch it up. You, you, I mean, you can't, you can't keep throwing the same guys out there who aren't producing and expecting them to to do something different. So I, I understand the change from that point of view. It is interesting to me though that they left Drew Beam out of the out of the rotation because he's got a two point four five ERA in four starts. That's very respectable. Yeah, that was that was something in in our group chat with a couple other media guys that. We were like, okay, well, if any of these dudes should feel offended, it's Drew Beam. Like, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's like Tennessee, you know, they've struggled. They've, they've dropped a couple conference series. Like, you know, at this point, if you're Tennessee, maybe you mix things up because you're like, okay, we're going up against another top five opponent. Let's let's mix things up, see what we got to do to get a win, especially when you're going to Fayetteville. You know it's going to be a hostile environment. Maybe that's what you're doing. 
Maybe it's gamesmanship from Tony Vitello knowing that Dave Van Horn's going Friday night guy, TBA, TBA. Who knows? Um, I do think maybe we should clear up a little bit of the, the DVH Tony Vitello thing, you know, because I feel like uh, there's been people who, including ourselves, like I'll, I'll, I'll admit it, like I thought there might have been bad blood there. I, I don't think there is. I know Dave Van Horn went on a, a serious XM show and he said, uh, what we like kind of around the rumors that we've heard kind of like what Tony Vitello has said to the media, you know, kind of alluded to, it seems like the argument originated over a recruit. Tennessee had a guy committed, Arkansas contacted said guy who is still on Tennessee's roster, by the way. Um, and I guess Tony Vitello didn't like that. Tensions were high. It was a very dramatic, uh, emotional series in Knoxville in 2021 Tony Vitello probably went up to Dave Van Horn and said something he shouldn't have. And I think that he he said after after that game three, I think he said to the media that he probably said something he shouldn't have shouldn't have said. And so, but then Dave Van Horn said on this Sirius XM show, you know, they went to Nashville and they were, you know, hanging out and having a drink together. So it's like, I think that they're still cool. Like I think everything's okay there. But is the video very fun to watch and very fun to post? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean. You know what? What was the what was the quote from that clip? Uh, the on on Sirius XM. It was like, you know, he got me, I got him back. We're good. That's all there is to it. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I I wouldn't expect anybody to have, um, anybody to have bad blood with with Dave Van Horn, uh, and certainly not somebody who's being widely discussed as uh, Dave Van Horn's successor at Arkansas. You know, whenever that may come up. So uh, I don't know. I I think it's fine. Um. So we don't want to spend super long. We need to get to bold predictions. We'll do bold predictions real quick, and then we'll get to our two interviews because they're a little bit longer interviews. Couple things. I have two videos. I need you to help me to decide. So I have the James Draws video, Tennessee. What happened to? I have that one. It because I mean like I have to post it if Arkansas wins. Um. So I have that one. And I also have a new one that Dave Van Horn produced this week for us. This is a great one. Take a take a listen. Oh, hold on. Wait, hold on. It's muted. About that. Yeah. It's just like very subtle, but it's just like he whispers, How about that? It's it's very subtle and out of context, it's perfect. Yeah. But you put it back into context and it doesn't make any sense. Like he was, he was almost like poking fun at, at the reporter who asked the question about why Wagner was pinch hit for, and it was because he broke his thumb. Well, it's, it definitely was a weird, a weird answer to that question, but um, it is a great clip. So, I mean, like, here's the thing. There's a possibility that Arkansas only wins one game, Right. That's that's obviously possible. It's possible they don't win a single game. But for the first game, if they win a game, I have to choose one of the two videos. What is your decision, Robert? All right, well, let, let's use this as a segue into bold predictions. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say my bold prediction is that Arkansas will walk off Tennessee in one of these games. Okay. If Arkansas walks off Tennessee, then you go with what happened. Okay. I think that's I think that's good. Because uh, at that point, it's like, you know, Tennessee might be expecting they're winning. What happened? You know, right. I think that's good. Uh, yeah, I think I think you 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 break out the new clip uh, in, in light of uh, in light of Dave Van Horn clearing up the the, you know, the misunderstanding that 
or the, or the, the misconception that, that he and he and Vitello are, are not cool. They're, they're cool. So, you know, maybe let's, let's cut back on the, on the Tennessee vitriol. Okay. Um, okay. I'm cool with that. Okay. So that's your bold prediction. Arkansas walks off Tennessee in one of the games. Yes. All right. Um, my bold prediction. Hmm. I probably should have thought about this before we started. Hmm. Well, in, in fairness to you, this is way earlier in the recording than we ever do these. So that is true. Um, tell me if you think this is bold enough. Brady Slavens has two home runs on the weekend. I think that's bold enough. I mean, when was the last time he had two home runs in a weekend? I don't know. I just Not think that year. I think that he's really, you know, he's going to carry that high that he got from Brady Slavens day over to this weekend. I completely forgot about Brady Slavens day. It was on Wednesday, April 12th. That is always going to be Brady Slavens day. He celebrated it well. He had a double and a home run. Arkansas lost, but Brady Slavens did well. Uh, at the plate. <laughs> at the plate, yes. He he did not do very well in the field. But Brady Slavin's day is not about how you perform in the field. It's about how you perform at the plate, right? There you go. Six quick total bases and two at-bats for him. Um, and if I recall here, you may want to you may want to pull up the stats from from the series in twenty one. But we were we were deciding who we should have on for for this episode, and you were like Brady Slavin's had himself a series. He did. Let me let me pull that up real quick. Because no offense to our friend of the program, Matt Goodhart. Um, I don't recall Matt Goodhart having a great series uh, during that series. Um, he did have a great year, though. I think he was, like, all SEC. So, And he also has a wonderful rapport with the Diamond Hogs podcast. So, Yeah, I mean, friend of the program. I think he's been on the, on the show more than anybody at this point. Maybe Hutch. Hutch might be up there. But that, uh, it doesn't count as always. always official guest. If you count all of his phone cameos, then yeah. I wonder, like, do do we need to do like a five timers club thing for for Matt Goodhart, like Saturday Night Live? <laughs> next Maybe time so. Maybe so. Okay. Uh, Slavin's in the opener. He went three for four, uh, with two RBI. Let's see. Did he have a home run? He did not have a home run. Oh, he did. Him and Robert Moore both went yard that game. Uh, the second game he went zero for five, so that wasn't great. And then game three he went two for four. Um, yeah, just two for four. So he had six hits on the weekend. Yeah, pretty good. no four hits. Sorry, no five hits. Yeah, five hits on the week. Yeah, Brady Slavens. Give me two Brady Slavens home runs on the weekend. That's my bold prediction. All right, there you have it. Bold prediction. Right. Should we should we call Hutch? <laughs> just to be like, hey, we had good heart on again. We just want to like we don't want to be rude to you, you know. Also, also Hutch stole, completely stole your idea on Twitter. We, <laughs> we we need to address that with him firsthand, yeah. <laughs> so, uh here's here's the cliff notes on this. Robert posted uh a picture of people lining up for the hog pin. This is this is Robert's caption to his tweet. Folks have already started lining up on Razorback Road to get into the hog pin. First pitch of Tennessee, Arkansas is over 31 hours away. And then here's Hutch's tweet. After Roberts has already sent, and it's also pictures of people lining up from the hog pin, folks are already lining up for the hog pin. Sounds familiar, huh? 
Sounds familiar. A wild atmosphere at Baumwalker Stadium for the Arkansas Tennessee series. So he used like seven or eight of the same exact words that you used and posted pictures at the same exact area that you took a picture of. And he didn't even take the pictures himself. Allegedly, he did not take these pictures. Sources I mean, are, sources are telling me that. I mean, Hutch, what are we doing? All right, let's give him a call. Let's see if he answers. He always answers. He's a good sport about this. He is. All right. He probably he probably knows at this point <laughs> that if, if I call him, it's for the pod. Hello. Hey, Hutch, you're live to tape on the Diamond Hawks podcast. Happy Hello. birthday, Hutch. Oh, it is your birthday. Happy birthday, Hutch. Uh, thank you. Um, we're not calling you to tell you happy birthday, though. Okay. So, um, what happened, man? You just stole Robert's idea on Twitter. Do you have uh, an official <laughs> statement? <laughs> My official statement is I had not been on Twitter for the previous uh, probably about an hour because I was enjoying a birthday lunch with my wife. And uh, I just happened to get a text from my dad with some pictures at Bond Stadium. I don't know uh, why he was there, but... Uh, I saw the pictures. I said, hey, that's a good tweet. And so I think this is really just a classic case of great minds thinking alike, if we're, if we're being honest with me and Robert. Um, okay. I think I can I, I can roll with that statement. Um, do you have a bold prediction for this weekend? Uh, oh, let's see. A bold prediction. Um. Harold Cole finally takes over at shortstop. That is really bold. That's that's, that's really than... bold. I don't know if it's it's actually a prediction or if it's just like wishful thinking. Um, but uh, I, I let's let's roll with Harold Cole. Okay. All right, Hush. Well, appreciate it, man. See you this weekend. All righty. See y'all there. Happy birthday. Wow, I didn't even say anything back. That's crazy. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, that was Andrew Hutchinson. So three guests on this episode, man. How about that? It's uh, it's it's just a packed slate this Friday morning for you. All right, let's uh, let's get to our interviews. How about that? Our our real interviews. Yeah. What say you, Robert? I I say let's do it. I I say this is great because you don't have to listen to me read opponent stats for ten minutes and. Uh... That is my least favorite part of the podcast, man. For the people who don't see me on camera when Robert's reading stats, I'm just like, like doing my finger. I'm like, come on, man, hurry it up. Let's let's freaking go here. Anyways, it's it's good for you because you don't have to listen to that, and uh, you know we get we get some uh, firsthand witness testimony from the the uh, fireworks in Knoxville last time out. All right, let's get to him, Matt Goodhart, former Arkansas outfielder and designated hitter. The Diamond Hogs Podcast is the premier Razorback baseball podcast. All right, we now welcome on probably the the biggest friend of the program there is, Matt Goodhart, former Arkansas Razorback. Uh, before we get into the the nitty gritty, Matt, I want to ask just what's going on with you. You were with the Salt Dogs last year. I'm assuming you're with them again this year. Yeah, as of right now, uh, I'm signed. A, I signed a. Uh, they have. Uh, I forgot what they called it, but it's kind of like a rookie signs a two-year contract automatically and had the option to kind of negotiate their way out of it, for lack of better wording. Um, as of right now, I am going back. Um, within within the last or within a month, there's always chance that 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 there's a chance that that could change. Sorry, I hadn't had my coffee yet. 
Hey, you're yeah, good. I, I plan to return. I plan to return. Um, so far this off season, I've just been training myself, and uh, I've actually been an assistant high school baseball coach. How's that going? Where are you coaching? It's going great. Uh, I'm coaching at a really small private school in my hometown called Columbia Christian High School. Um, we're in Magnolia. For those who don't know, who who don't know where I'm from, and it, it's been fun. It's been super rewarding. So you're two years removed from being an Arkansas baseball player. How how weird is that for you? And and maybe how much have you been keeping up with the team still? Uh, it, it's weird for sure. It's weird. Uh, weird in ways that I don't really have the words. I don't know. Maybe maybe the the classic. I kind of feel old. Kind of, you know, you hear people say I kind of, you know, I feel old. But uh, at the same time, you know, they've still got uh, Slavens, who was my roommate on the road. And, uh, oh, man. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else there that was there when I was there, but Zach anyway, Morris. Hey, yep, yep, Morris is there. Um, but but outside of those those select few those select few guys, you know, there yeah. there aren't guys that I played with myself. But it's been I've kept up pretty well. I've had trouble keeping up on. Uh, sorry for cutting you off. Uh, um, I've had trouble keeping up during the weeks because obviously we play and have practice and that kind of stuff. But during the weekends, I've been doing pretty good. Well, I was going to say, like, that's that's kind of where I wanted to go with it. You know, talking about all the new faces, there's only a few guys that are there still that you played with. You know, as a guy who came in from a junior college, what is it – what's that transition period like? Because, you know, they're they're over the halfway point in the season. You know, they're probably – they've got the feel for it now. But how hard is it those first few weeks? You know, you went through fall ball, you went through preseason, but you're still getting used to it with, like, real games. Absolutely. Um you know, I feel like a lot of people assume that there's a like a major competition change in adjustment, and and there is there's a there's an adjustment period, but there's the the competition adjustment isn't as drastic, I would say, as simply uh, the environment change. And you know, I'm coming from San Jack, who is, you know, I'm proud to say is one of the better one of the better college, junior college baseball programs in the country and, and are notorious for the talent they that they are able to recruit and to uh to put out but at the same time just because you know just because they're notoriously good program doesn't mean that you know they they draw 11,000 per game like like a bomb walker stadium as a matter of fact i would say the majority of the games that the uh <laughs> that there were more area scouts there than there were spectators so it, it was it, i mean i remember my dad telling the story whenever he, he came to our first home game and he was looking for someone to hand money to for admission and there wasn't anybody he just looking around there wasn't anybody working the concession stand he's just he was hungry so he ended up just leaving a couple of dollars behind the desk and grabbed a snickers bar over the bar there it, it's something else it's a major adjustment in that regard so you talked about Sanjak. Uh, obviously, one of the bigger stories for the Razorbacks this season has been Hunter Holland coming from Sanjak and, you know, making making Dave Van Horn comfortable enough to take Hagen Smith out of the ace role. Uh, I'm curious what you've seen out of those two lefties so far this year. Oh, I think both have been both have been phenomenal. I don't think there's any dancing around that. Um, that being said, you know, I. Every everybody looks at the the Friday night guy role and says, "Okay, that's your guy." And you know, there's been a there's been a pretty heavy trend in that re, in that regard in the past. But at the same time, you have to look at 
you know, you look at other teams that have been successful in the past, you know, maybe not even just Arkansas, but think about Kevin Copps, you know, how many times did he start on a Friday night? And I don't think anybody's going to debate that he was definitely our best arm. Um, you know, that's not saying that Hunter Holland's not Arkansas's best arm or anything like that. It's uh, he, He's been phenomenal. I think there's more of a uh, – I think there's more of a – whenever it comes to Coach Hobbs, Coach Van Horn, assembling a pitching staff and putting guys into specific roles to get the job done that – it doesn't necessarily go from an order of, you know, best to worst on the days. And, you know, it, there's a lot of fitting puzzle pieces into specific pieces. You know, there's a lot of intricacies that, you know, that the, that the common person will never, you know, that will never cross their mind. Oh, well, uh, maybe he hasn't had enough time to rest. That's just a, you know, basic example. Maybe he hasn't had enough time to rest to start this day. And then all of a sudden we start winning. Well, then, you know, if, you know, no, I don't care what the coach or what the coach says or who or where he's from or where he's coaching at. There's some superstition involved, you know. Um, I, I remember my dad not, not wanting, uh, whenever he was at Southern Arkansas, he was just furious whenever they got blue shoes one year because they had won the conference championship in black for the last couple of years. You know, it's just stuff like that. Um, I, I, I'm not saying that every decision he makes is superstitious, but at the same time, you know, there's there's a lot of elements that come into making the decisions on when pitchers pitch. And, you know, I, I think that a lot of people kind of skate by that and don't understand that. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind with that situation is last year during the postseason when, and don't get me wrong, we were big Zach Gregory guys, but Dave Van Horn left Zach Gregory in the lineup, and it was pretty clear that he just was very cold. He couldn't get a hit. It was just, but he was in the lineup that had won them so many games in the postseason. I feel like that was a situation where it's like you don't want to mess with that. Um, so kind of along the same lines as what you're talking about, it maybe that was something where it's like, you know, Gregory might not be hitting as well as, you know, maybe if they brought Jace Borfin in. Um, but you leave him in because you don't want to mess with it. Is that kind of like the along the same lines of what you're thinking? Yeah, maybe so. Um you know, and you think about Zach Gregory and and what he's capable of doing. Um, he's capable of being a guy that you know, and maybe he's not going to hit 350 with, you know, 15 pumps every year. But, you know, you go and look at some other some other intricate numbers, you know, maybe on base percentage. You know, it's not necessarily – there's – not every team keeps it, but there's a quality of that percentage, you know. How many – even though he, say, I'm throwing a random number – throwing a random number out there, two for 30 or whatever. How many times that – even though he's two for his last 30 – how many times has he gotten on base that that doesn't represent? How many times has he hit the ball hard and it just happened to be at a guy who hadn't moved his feet? You know, there's there's things like that. And then there's also the the matchup aspect of it. You know, there's, um, you know, Coach Van Horn mentioned one time about Zach Gregory not hitting lefties real well. Well, there were times where uh, he pinch hit someone. He pinch hit someone whenever Zach Gregory was supposed to come up for uh, to face a left-handed pitcher and you know I know coach Van Horn uh really likes to play matchups he, he's a he's he's very big on the righty lefty matchup and or the lefty you know and vice versa so there there's always uh 
there's always something going on in the uh, in the mind of Coach Van Horn. And at first, he makes the decision, and you're like, anybody with a baseball mind is sitting there evaluating the decision he's made. And then, you know, they're like, oh, wow, I'm not sure I would have done that. And then I, would, I swear 95 out of 100 times, it works perfectly. And you're like, how – why why did you make that decision how did you know it was going to work you know it's you know I feel like I've been around baseball a lot and I feel like my instincts are pretty good and he still does things to this very day that just blow my mind and still work kind of not necessarily blow my mind but do things I'm like oh that's an interesting decision and it works perfectly and I still don't understand how his gut instinct is so great you know what I mean (laughs) Well, it's it's like the dude's been coaching so long, maybe he knows what he's doing, you know, like for all the people on social media who question the the decisions that Dave Van Horn makes. It's like, well, you know, this dude's been doing it for a long time, so the, he probably understands the decisions that he's making. So that's uh, a good point. <laughs> I, I want to get to this, Matt, because this is uh, yeah. this is a big reason why we wanted to have you on. Arkansas plays Tennessee this weekend, and you were there. Mm-hmm for the series in 21 uh, when all the drama went down. Talk about that series, what you remember. Of course, everybody wants to hear about the the whole argument with DVH and Vitello, uh, but just the series in general, and then maybe if you remember anything from the argument as they were walking off the field. Oh, well, for anyone that was there in person, or honestly, if you watch the games, you could tell the that um, that tensions were high throughout the – throughout the entire series. Um, I don't fully, man, it's been a while. I don't fully remember everything about, about every, all the little details, but I remember something occurring early in, it may have even been before the series or the the day of the first game that, uh, that kind of rubbed our coaching staff the wrong way. Um, I, I don't think that's really public knowledge, but, uh, I'm not going to go into the details of it, but something rubbed our staff the wrong way. And, um, of course, we we took that in, into the series. Hey, we get it. Competition. Competition. Everybody's locked in. Let's take care of business. And everything should be hunky-dory after the series. And, of course, you know, looking back on it, it actually wasn't. But um, at the same time, I still, I, don't, I still don't think Coach Van Horn and Coach Vitello are, you know, just arch enemies, you know, hate each other kind of thing either. I I think that or I tell you one thing that I know for a fact is that sometimes whenever you're whenever you're an intense competitor, sometimes that competition side of you kind of takes over. And especially when you're in the situation where you're no longer the player and you control every bit of the fate for yourself, then you know, sometimes, sometimes that emotion leaks out in other ways, you know, and um, the series is, you know, the series goes on. It's super intense back and forth. Of course, both teams were phenomenal that year. I mean, we had uh, we Wicklander and Cops and lineup was great. We had best middle infield duo in the country. I don't think there's any debating that either. Um, anyway. Uh, after they walked us off game two, we were, we thought we had pulled game two off and they ended up walking us off and we were kind of stunned for a second. And I, I believe, and, and I'm someone else who was there may, may be able to, uh, 
give give more intricate detail. But I remember whoever hit, was a back Beckham that hit the home run, the right fielder. I think it was I think it was him that hit the home run. But um, rounding third, rounding third, he turned to our dugout and said something. I can't remember what it was, but. I know that we were – I mean, we just gotten beaten, so we, it's not like we could take him out or anything like that. But I remember guys just being red in the face mad after that, but couldn't really do anything. Hey, let's come back tomorrow and take care of business. And came back, took care of business. We were hyper-focused, probably one of the most focused I've ever seen us as a collective team um, in, in all three years that I was there even. I, I just remember everybody had this look on their face. Hey – like they better if they're going to win today, they better beat us because we're not going to do it to ourselves. And I think that we played that way. I think they were they played that way also, and I think that made it as close of a game as it was. Um, and you know, you got to tip your cap. You know, whether whether Arkansas fans are the biggest Tony Vitello fan or biggest Tennessee fans or not, what you have to do is tip your cap to the fact that the guy knows how to bring in really good players he knows how to get them to play hard for him and he knows he knows how to assemble a team day in and day out that is going to compete and play the game hard and are going to be good you know so a lot of a lot of Arkansas fans don't want to admit that but it's the truth every single year they're good every single year they are a threat but um after the game I know we were after you know we won the game we're pretty pumped obviously and I I don't to this very day I still don't know for sure what started the the back and forth between the coaches but um a lot of a lot of people you know a lot of people aren't fully aware of the kind of the kind of stick your neck out for your teammates and players as a coach or a player that that there's kind of once you're on a team and you're you kind of become part of a close knit family, that there's that without thinking about it kind of kind of protection element to it. And you know, having played for for Coach Van Horn for three years and him being so great to me, and I, I'm sure other players can can uh, can kind of vouch for this too. You see our leader in that kind of tone shift immediately then the first thing that comes to your mind, the first thing that happens is, oh, no, this this isn't going to work, okay? You know, and that's that's when you turn and look and you see see our players start walking in that direction. We're like, hey, if something goes down, then we're, you know, we're backing our coach where this is, you know, we'll fight to the, we'll fight with this guy, you know. <laughs> we'll fight with this guy until, until there's nothing left. And, you know, I, that – Believe it or not, it was really one of those moments when I when it really dawned on me what it meant to um to be a really good leader and to and to be uh I don't even really have the words for it. I mean it's um sorry. Brings brings back some old emotions. Um he just Sorry, it, it, it's it's an experience that you can't put words into to be a part of such a close knit family and play for a coach that cares for you the way that Coach Van Horn and the coaches of University of Arkansas do.
So clearly uh, an emotional finish to the series uh, in Knoxville, but then you guys get to meet him again in the SEC tournament final in Hoover. What was what was the vibe like for that that game in particular? Yeah, well, I, there's a there's a part in the middle there that I haven't mentioned, but and and I don't know I don't know if this was nefarious intent or not, but we had to go and shower before our flight home in the visitors locker room at the football field. And they had no hot water. And for some, I, I'm no plumber. I'm no expert, but I feel like we could have had hot water. I feel like we could have. I don't know that for a fact. I just feel like we could have. We were at the University, you know, University of Tennessee. Why would they not have hot water? Everyone, and I'm, I'm not talking like this water's chilly. I mean, this is heavy, hard pressured, freezing cold water, water freezing cold water. And everyone was even – we were even more mad about that, I feel like. But anyway, <laughs> played, again, played again against them in Hoover, and we knew exactly what we were going to get. And that was 100% going to be their best shot, and, and it was. You know, I mean, no, when you see them on the bracket and know that, hey, we got them next, it's like, okay, here we go again, kind of a deal. It's not like we didn't think we could beat them. It's more of a, man – this is going to take all of the emotional will and physical will that we have to get through this last game of this championship against this team that we know is not going to go down easy. And sure enough, um, sure enough, the, the team that the, the team that we had that year was, uh, was up for it. And, and uh, we ended up battling and ended up, ended up beating that, that really good team again. And, and it was, it was super fun. Uh, that was the, the 21 year was a, a year for a year that I'll forget or that year that I'll never forget. It was, it was incredible being around, around a group of guys that wanted to, to win and compete with you every day like that. So I, I'm, I'm going to say that this is my last question about Tennessee, but it's probably not going to be, um, you're, you're a very opinionated guy when it comes to, you know, baseball stuff, which is great. I love it. I love following you on Twitter. Tennessee plays on a turf field. What do you think about that? Um, I, I guess it kind of depends on, uh, kind of depends on where you want me to go with that. Um, I think it's awful. I think it's really stupid. But also, I I didn't play college baseball, and you did. So I just maybe is there does it change the way that you play? Do you think that it's like not great, or do you just not really care? Um, let's see from from a a baseball kind of traditional standpoint, I I would say I'm all I'm probably a bigger fan of natural, you know, natural grass and dirt. Um. That being said, I know that having played first base, that turf is easier to play on. And it's and now having been an assistant high school coach, I know that it's a lot easier to maintain. Um, obviously, we don't have turf in my my small private school, but uh, we may actually be getting it. Uh, side note. Anyway, um, the deal with it, the, the thing about it, though, is natural grass and, you know, a natural infield of dirt is, is a lot of work to maintain. And I understand why a lot of programs go with turf, you know, away from the aspect of, you know, it drains quickly. It's, you don't have to, you don't have to uh, mow the infield. You don't have to take care of the dirt. 
you don't have to edge. There, there's a lot of things that a lot of people don't really realize when it comes to keep taking care of a field and how how much uh, uh, how often you have to do things and how much attention it it requires. But um, from a player perspective, um, college baseball has a I think has a pretty fair amount of games in terms of how many you play. And this is a, this is kind of an aspect of it. I feel like a lot of people aren't, don't really bring to the table a whole lot, but um, last year was my first professional season and we played, I want to say like 107 games or something like that. And, and it was over the course of like 115 days, 120 days, something like that. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, a 25 game season over a few months. It, I mean, it was, just every single day over and over and over again. And what I do know too, is that fields with turf tend to have higher injury rates, um, whether that's because of the, the lack of cushion or, or whatever. I know that there's a lot less forgiveness. And I remember having played, uh, we played a several game series at Cleburne, Texas, and they have a pretty quick turf and, I remember after game two, my back being really sore from having, from doing all the pounding on the turf and um, based on, a, I'm kind of a science nerd, as you guys probably know. Um, so there, there's actually some, some statistics and data out there showing the amount of like hamstring strains and groin strains and stuff like that being pretty significantly higher on turf fields compared to natural fields. So in that regard, I know for a fact that me as a player <laughs> would definitely enjoy the natural grass more just because uh, I like to I like to pull hamstrings every now and again. So for durability, I definitely go with the natural grass. One place that does have natural grass is Baumwalker Stadium, which is the site of Arkansas, Tennessee this weekend. Uh, you know, we were talking to Dave Van Horn last night after the after the game against UALR. He was like, you know, we haven't really had that big crowd yet. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily a shot at the fans because it's been cold here. Um, it's it just hasn't been perfect weather yet. But but that's what we're going to get this weekend. Huge opponent coming into town. Uh, Brady Slavens told us he's expecting a regional type feel. I'm curious. I mean, what do you remember about these these huge crowds at bomb? And, you know, what should we expect this weekend from from the fans and as far as their role goes? Oh, you know, I've really given up on on saying what to expect <laughs> because of, I, I just, you know, people are unpredictable. However, I, I, I remember in 2019 in the regional when, you know, guys were camping out and that people would have their their tents and stuff down the sidewalks. And um, I remember Matt Cronin, Matt Cronin and Cody Scroggins buying, buying some pizzas and bringing them to the guys that were camping out in the tents and stuff like that. And, you know, people love the Hogs. People love their baseball. And I know that – I know for a fact that people are going to love the rivalry, the rivalry matchup at Bomb Walker this year since it's – correct me if I'm wrong, is this the first one since the the, Vitel, the Vitello-Van Horn incident? So, yeah, I feel like that alone is going to bring in people. And I think uh, – I think the atmosphere is going to be – if I had to guess – Knowing how passionate Arkansas and Tennessee fans are, I wouldn't be at all surprised if it was borderline hostile. <laughs> I mean, I don't have to explain to you how Arkansas fans are and how they feel about how they feel about their program. You know, it's um, once again, like I was saying earlier, people, you know, people let emotions take over 
when it comes to things that they truly, truly love and care about. And if they truly, truly love and care about Arkansas and Arkansas baseball, then sometimes those emotions take over whenever maybe, maybe it is appropriate, maybe it's not, you know, but um, I think it's going to be at the very least, I don't know what the crowd's going to be like in terms of, pop, you know, attendance. I, I would imagine that it's going to be pretty high, but I, I, I would venture to say that the ones that are going to be there are going to have uh, <laughs> their, the tensions are going to be high and they want nothing more than uh, they want nothing more than the Razorbacks to just, beat the crap out of Tennessee if I had to guess <laughs> no I I'm I'm very excited for it I as a as a publicly known Tennessee hater I I've been I've had this one marked on the calendar for a long time so I'm hoping that the there have been ticket scalpers and I've seen like prices of tickets on Twitter I mean it's just insane what people are doing and it's actually like those people are the scum of the earth I hate that they're doing that because that's just <laughs> taking away from people who could be there because they don't want to pay $300 for tickets you know Right. Um, anyways, that's that's a different conversation. Uh, emotions. You were talking about emotions uh, with the fans, but I want to ask about this because I don't know if we ever got your opinion on this last year when Robert Moore said in a post-game press conference that uh, there's a team in the East. Um, Robert, what was the exact the exact quote from him? He said like we're gonna we're gonna turn some heads with that team that's at the top of the East or something like that. And he was obviously talking about Tennessee. Do you think what what do you think about that? And just Robert, I mean, you played with Robert in that 21 season. Just I don't know. I, I think we all know he was talking about Tennessee. So thoughts. Just get your thoughts on that. I'm trying to I'm, I'm thinking back a little bit. I know. Let's see. I know I know Robert Moore pretty well. And uh I know he is not afraid of anything. He's not afraid of, you know, not afraid of any organization, not afraid of any player, you know. And it's, uh, man, he just wants everybody's best shot. One of my favorite, uh, and I'm sure most of our most of the Hog fans remember this. One of my favorite moments being at Arkansas was when uh, when we were at South Carolina and the student section behind the dugout was chanting Oopa Loopa, and he went yard twice. I mean, my goodness, that was just perfect, and 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 you, and you knew he heard it too. You could tell with the bat flip, you know, the forward bat flip, and how fired up he was after it. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, I would I would assume he was talking about Tennessee too, and that uh, he was ready to ready to face who was notoriously one of one of probably the best team in the country at the time, whenever he said the quote, if I remember correctly, start my season starting to run together as I, you know, we're getting old. <laughs> my season starting to run together, but uh, he just wants every, everybody that's good. He wants their best shot. And you know, he's, he's not afraid of anything. If, if you think you're the best team in the nation, then he's like, Hey, bring it on. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, love playing with him would love to play again with him and one of the reasons why he's in a professional organization right now one of the reasons why he's a fierce fierce competitor the another thing about robert moore that you know everybody brings up is his dad was the gm of the royals right that always comes up that's like a big joke and then there's the the jalen battles dave van horn gave jalen battles his number two jersey and with those two always comes the story of 
Matt Goodhart got contacts. How are how are the contacts treating you? Wow, uh, man, it, it has been a while. Big news. I got uh, I got LASIK actually. I don't wear contacts anymore. Um, now that being said, it's coincidental that you said that because um, a few several days ago, the the optometrist that actually gave me the contacts while I was up there in Fable asked me if he could use me as an example in a, in a presentation he had coming up. And like, I mean, I never heard the presentation, but sure, yeah, go crazy. But um, yeah, I, I ended up getting LASIK. Um, for one day, it was horrendous, but then five days later, I had 2015 vision. So if you're ever considering LASIK and have the option to do it, I, I am not joking when I say that I would. I would do it again once a year if it meant having the vision that I have now. I feel like I can see through walls. It's incredible. <laughs> All right, man. This is a, this is for real this time. The last thing we have for you. Uh, you know, okay. we talked about Tony Vitello. What what a good recruiter he is. What, how intensive a competitor he is. He's got Luke Bonfield, uh, former Razorback, on his staff as well. And I know you guys, your timelines never uh, overlapped at Arkansas together, but. Um, what, what do you know about those guys and, 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 you know, from a personal standpoint and how do you think it, their Arkansas backgrounds add to this rivalry? Well, uh, actually I do, uh, I didn't get to play with Bonfield, but I do know him. Um, uh, we became buddies, believe it or not, over the, the Fortnite era, but <laughs> he, he, uh, a lot of people don't know Luke Bonfield wasn't bad at Fortnite. He was, he was pretty good. Um, but anyway, we, uh, we, we actually became buddies over Fortnite for the most part. I mean, of course, we met in person prior to that, you know, hung out a time or two, you know, through some of the guys that were still at Arkansas that uh, that were friends, you know, with Bonfield whenever he was playing there. And um, I, I like Luke a lot. I have a lot of respect for him. He's a great guy, I think. And, um, you know, I, I think the, the rivalry, the rivalry there, I think it, it extends. I think that it, that's a part of it as well. Um, you know, it, and I, for some reason was thinking someone else on their staff even had some Arkansas ties as well, but I I could be forgetting. Um, yeah. I, Bonfield's a great dude. Um, he's, he's been in Tennessee several years now. He wants to win as bad as anybody. And, um, you know, I, yeah, I feel like he's uh he's gonna come in and be as classy of a guy as he can possibly be. Um, I I have a I have no doubt about that. Whether he wants to be, you know, whether he wants to beat Arkansas by twenty or not, I still think he's gonna be a classy guy and go about it the classy, you know, the classiest way possible. I think that's just who he is. And um I think anybody that watched Bonfield play at Arkansas would know that and agree. And um, you know, I can only imagine what kind of excitement he's he's gonna, you know, he's holding back as he's coming back to Fayetteville. All right, Matt, we really appreciate your time, man. Uh, wishing you the best of luck this year with the Salt Dogs and with your uh, your coaching gig. Hoping for big things for you in the future, man. Always appreciate your time. Yeah, guys, thanks again for having me back. It's always a pleasure. All right, man. Have a good one. You're listening to the Diamond Hogs Podcast with Mason Choate and Robert Stewart. All right, we now welcome on recurring guest Ryan Shumpert of Rocky Top Insider covering the Tennessee Volunteers, my least favorite team in the entire world. Uh, Ryan, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, doing well. Like, 
glad you guys uh, had me back on. And last time uh, I was on here, we had a very entertaining series uh, with lots of drama that followed. And I'm hoping for more of that this weekend. Yeah. So from from the Tennessee perspective, um, well, let me start with this. From the Arkansas perspective, it's definitely you know a highly anticipated series. You know the the first series between these two teams since that 21 series in Knoxville. Now you get them in Fayetteville. But from the Tennessee side, how are things? How are people feeling? What's the vibe? Well, I think they're going into the season. There was a lot of excitement for the series just because of the kind of budding new rivalry between the two programs and obviously how things went in 2021. And obviously the two teams didn't play each other last year, but there was still plenty of kind of chirping back and forth at one another. And I think now as we get closer to the series and, and Tennessee struggled, I think from the Tennessee side, more of the focus is on the team itself and how will they handle uh, what's sure to be a hornet's nest in a really rowdy environment at Baumwalker Stadium and how can they handle when things don't go their way? Because four weeks through SEC play, we haven't always seen very good responses from Tennessee in those moments and in those big series, big stage. And I think, uh, like I said, kind of the emphasis from the Tennessee side of things is more curious about how Tennessee will handle themselves and how they'll they'll perform in, in a tough spot than necessarily anything with Arkansas. You mentioned the 2021 series, uh, which was in Knoxville. You were there covering it live. Uh, we just had Matt Goodhart on the on our show. He was on the 2021 Arkansas team. He was talking about the emotions of that series and, you know, just the tension, how how hotly contested it was. I'm curious, from from somebody who was there, uh, what what do you remember about that series? And then I think you were at the, the tournament final as well in Hoover. I was. Yeah, I, I think the thing that stands out, a lot about that season it was just kind of that it was a perfect storm for Tennessee and they they won all these games with walk-offs and just kind of they were pretty good in 2019 and made back the NCAA tournament for the first time in nearly a decade and a half and then they were going to be good in 2020 when the COVID happened so that canceled the season and you had all this at the same time that COVID limitations are starting to get pulled off and this is like the first sporting events that had 100% crowds and it, it just led to a lot of energy and certainly that Tennessee team, as was last year's team, and a ton of the same guys on it, were very fiery and very chippy and led to those games being high emotion. And, I, uh, you know, I remember one of the plays I remember most from my time covering Tennessee is a home run Christian Franklin hit, I believe, in game three of that series. And uh, he was, you know, talking to the Tennessee dugout after it. And it, it was a lot of that, a lot of high intensity. And obviously that spilled over after the final game when, you know, Tony Vitello kind of confronted Dave Van Horn. Uh, in the postgame handshake line. So the, I think high intensity and, and kind of just that series was almost a perfect encapsulation of that spring for Tennessee baseball is uh, it was a very exciting series. Uh, you had tended to one game. Tennessee one was on a walk off. And uh, that I believe was maybe the very first series that it was hundred percent capacity at Lindsay Nelson stadium. So just a, a lot of excitement and a lot of intensity. So as far as that argument between Dave and Horn and Tony Vitello, you know, we, we've heard a lot of different things. We've heard that it was recruiting. We've heard that, you know, there was uh, maybe something that happened, you know, before the series even started be, between, you know, a couple assistants. Like what from the Tennessee side? Have you heard any rumors about what that was? Yeah, my understanding of it is that, you know, Tony, there were some of the both teams were uh, currently on Tennessee's roster. The both teams were recruiting. And I think he had committed to Tennessee and, and Arkansas was still recruiting him basically after he'd committed to Tennessee. Tony took exception to that. And I think the uh, certainly not the time or place to share your uh, 
displeasure with, with Dave Van Horn doing that. But I think, again, when we talk about that series, the emotion and the intensity of it, I think that just kind of spilled over into the post-game handshake line and, and Tony uh, kind of confronted him about that at that moment. And that's kind of my understanding of what happened there. Gotcha. So shifting topics to 2023, uh, we've, we've got a, a top 20 matchup on our hands in Fayetteville this weekend. Uh, I'm, I'm curious if you can sort of give us the rundown on on the Tennessee pitching uh, side of things. You know, we always hear about super talented staff. We know Chase Dolander is going to be a pretty high draft pick, although it seems like he doesn't have the best numbers this year. I'd say that's probably the story of Tennessee's team this season is that they replaced you know, eight of the nine position player starters. Really, the DH is the only guy they didn't replace from from last year's team in the lineup. So you do know there were going to be some growing pains uh, with the the offense, but at least myself, and I think most people assumed that the pitching would be good enough. The starting pitching in particular would be good enough to kind of carry them through that, and it really hasn't been. Chase Dolander, you know, he hasn't been bad. It's been a lot of or outings where he's just a little bit off. He just doesn't have his best stuff, and he's done a good job of fighting around it. He hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't been a guy that, you know, came into the year as the top college you know, pros or pitching prospect uh, going into the MLB draft. You know, all fall he was touted as – you know, one of the best pitching prospects in the last 10 years uh, from college heading in the MLB draft. And he hasn't been that. And then Chase Burns, to me, has been the one that's really been the bigger disappointment. Who was He was Tennessee's Friday night guy last year. He's Saturday this season. And he's just he's gotten rocked. I mean, there's really no other way to get around that. He's struggled to, to throw uh, his slider and really all his off-speed stuff. But his slider's his go-to off-speed pitch for strikes. And teams are just sitting on the fastball. And, you know, in SEC play, if you don't have anything to keep – Keep uh, those guys off balance. You know, 97, 98, what he throws isn't going to – you're not going to blow that past the LSU's Florida's of the world, and he's kind of figuring out that, that out the hard way. He's really struggled. I'll be curious. We'll probably figure out later today whether he's in Tennessee's rotation. Uh, his ERA and SEC play is north of 11. He's been really, really bad in, in SEC play, basically. And uh, my expectation or my thought is that he's not going to start this weekend, that they're going to give someone else a chance. We'll probably like said we'll probably figure that out later today. And then Drew Beam, their Sunday guy, is – kind of bit about what I expected. He was a really odd case where last season was just incredible. The first half of SEC play and where Dolander and Burns came in with all these expectations and accolades as high school guys or Dolander was great as freshman year at Georgia Southern. Beam didn't have that at all. And then he tailed off and was really bad at the end of the season. And he's been in the middle this year, which is what I expect. He's a pitch to contact mid nineties guy, kind of a classic Sunday starter in the SEC. So he's not dominant. Uh, but he's been pretty good and about what I expected. Dolander a little bit underachieving, and Burns just not not been the guy at all we saw last season. So if there was a guy that's going to sneak his name into the rotation, you know, who would that be? And then maybe some other guys out of the bullpen that are, you know, worthy of mentioning. I would would probably be either Seth Halverson or Camden Sewell would be the two names. And Halverson's probably a, a more familiar name for Arkansas fans. He was at Missouri two seasons ago. He was their Friday night starter there transferred to Tennessee before last season and had an arm injury that sidelined him the whole season. He's been really the guy that's followed Dolander on Friday nights is their first reliever. They go two or three innings with him, and he's been really good. Besides last week, he struggled against Florida. Um, so he's got high-level stuff. And then Camden Sewell is a fifth-year senior who's had a really big role as kind of Tennessee's middle relief guy in the bullpen all four, now five years going into college and or in his college tenure. So he's been re- really good, not as – crazy stuff not as high-end stuff which is why he's not you know pursuing professional baseball right now he's back for a fifth year at Tennessee but been really really effective at all 
four years now going on five years at Tennessee is ERA has been under three pitching 30 plus innings. So he's kind of been their best bullpen guy. We've seen him start. He started a couple games in the SEC tournament the last few years where he's been really good, but he's had some minor injury stuff this year. And it makes me think they will be a little more cautious with him. And I think it's probably less likely that he'd be able to get a start and go deep in the game. So Seth Halverson and those two guys have probably been their best guys in the bullpen. Andrew Lindsay's a Charlotte transfer uh, who's gotten a lot of run for them and has been good. Kirby Cannell is the left-handed arm, really the one left-handed arm that's overly effective. Uh, ben Joyce's twin brother, Zach Joyce, is back playing baseball, and he hasn't had a massive role. It's kind of struggled a little bit in recent w- weeks, but another another guy that might get action. And as disappointing as Tennessee's starting rotation has been this year, their bullpen has, has been really good and lived up to expectations. So uh, you, you mentioned the offense. It sounds like Tennessee is kind of in a, in a similar situation as Arkansas. A lot of new faces in the lineup. Uh, you know, no, no Drew Gilbert, Trey Lipscomb, uh, Luke Lipsius, guys like that, that, you know, made the 2022 Vols the best team in the country for so long. But, um, you know, who, who are some of the new bats that that uh, Arkansas fans should know the names of? And uh, this is a bit of a two parter, but do you get the vibe that they understand the magnitude of this rivalry having like being new to it? Yeah, it's a really good question. And uh, it's funny that the main bats in this lineup are the three guys that kind of rotated a DH spot last year. So they were on last year's team. Jared Dickey uh, is kind of a utility man. He'll play some catcher, maybe a little bit in the corner outfield spots this weekend. And he was the starting left fielder last year until he had a foot injury that uh, even when he came back, he couldn't really, he could only DH, he couldn't play in the field. So he's been really good. Uh, Blake Burke is the power bat in the middle of the lineup. Uh, First baseman who was a freshman last year and, uh, really, really impressive bat defensively. He has not been very good this season. And then Christian Moore is kind of the, the one guy that I think sees a lot of what we've seen the last two years. Obviously, Tennessee, the last two seasons, 21, 22, played into being the villains and played into being hated. I don't think a lot of this team, I don't know if saying they don't like it's the right word, but that's not their personality. They don't really embrace that. Christian Moore embraces that. He's the one guy that's going to do a lot of chirping and arguing with the umpire and talking to the other team's dugout and all that stuff. So, He's been good, and then some of the other guys, it's kind of like you said with Arkansas, a lot of transfers. Uh, Malia Una, the Kansas shortstop, uh, is hitting the leadoff spot some. He was in seven seven spot in the midweek uh, this week after missing some time last weekend. Zane Denton, the name Arkansas fans are probably familiar with, played at Alabama for three years before transferring to Tennessee. And then Griffin Merritt is a Cincinnati transfer who – this seemingly broke out of a slump. Uh, it looked as lost as could be the first couple weeks of SEC play. Went um, Had 20 straight at-bats without reaching base, uh, but had a big series finale against Florida. So uh, Tennessee's hoping he'll break out of the slump. And really, it's a very left-handed heavy lineup, and Merritt's the one kind of power right-handed bat that can uh, they really need because of that aspect. And then to your, your second question, guess would be no to be honest with you some of those guys I mentioned that were on last year's team and Dickie was a uh, a red shirt on that 2021 team probably have an understanding of it some of those bullpen arms who were on those teams probably have an understanding of it but I would say the bulk of this team probably doesn't and just because Tennessee has underachieved and hasn't been as good this year they haven't kind of received that as much vitriol you know from the Arkansas side of things so I kind of doubt those guys have seen it my guess is they'll hear about it and, and they'll certainly need to be ready for it because it's going to be there t- to full force this weekend. All right. Now that we've knocked out, uh, you know, like the, the guys that Tennessee has, let's, let's talk about the important stuff here, Ryan. So uh, there was a tweet from an account that uh, said Tennessee brought out record crowds in Baton Rouge. And now 
uh, Arkansas is calling for, you know, record crowds at Baumwalker Stadium. And then they said Tennessee is is good for college baseball. Do you think Tennessee is good for college baseball? Well, I don't think – first part, I don't think Tennessee has anything to do with, you know, the record crowds at LSU or Arkansas. You know, maybe a little bit of it just being a big series, but, you know, those teams always have big crowds. Uh, I don't think – you see this debate in football all the time, especially with Tennessee this past year because they were good for the first time in a while. Are, are they good? Big brands are good. and are good so last year's Tennessee team I think was good for college baseball did college baseball have to have them no but they brought interest and they brought you know it's like you see with a lot of sports teams where you either love them or you hate them and most people hated them and when people hate they typically watch so that aspect was good but Tennessee of 2022 or 2023 Tennessee is not 2022 Tennessee 2023 Tennessee does not bring much of that so in that sense you know no I I think Teams that are hated, teams with big fan bases, it's good for sports when they're good. But I don't think there's some, you know, specialty that Tennessee has that that makes them, you know, perfect for that or anything. They're just like any other big fan base in the South. And the hated aspect of it is a little bit different, makes it a little bit unique. Let's let's talk about Tony Vitello for a minute. Um, Former former Arkansas assistant coach. He's been at Tennessee for a few years now, Um, you know. A lot of people in Arkansas seem convinced that he is Dave Van Horn's successor uh, when whenever the 21 year veteran decides to call it quits. Um, I mean, I know that I know that last year, Tennessee announced some plans to maybe uh, upgrade, improve, renovate Lindsay Nelson yeah. State, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, you, you think that they're trying to make a push to keep him around or I mean, how how is how is that notion viewed in Knoxville? Yeah, I think it, it certainly do a lot with the stadium that he wants because it's it's a Mickey Mouse clubhouse, honestly. I mean, it's it's not nice. It's small. It's bad seating. Press box is horrible. I mean, it's it's old and it's not nice. So certainly if you want to keep Vitello around and not have him jump at, at more traditional SEC powers, you know, they're that's what they're doing. They're trying to give him the reins to do what he wants and – uh, he turned down Texas A&M after 2021. There was interest from LSU. I don't know whether that job was ever offered to him or not. Maybe it, there were reports that it was. Again, like I said, I don't, I can't confirm that or by any means. So uh, I think that uh, is kind of the side of it. Tennessee's trying to give him once on the facilities front because Tennessee's facilities lag so far behind the top of the SEC. Um, and then I think maybe from the Arkansas side of things, not that, you know, Vitello would never consider it. I just kind of think that I think Dave Van Horn would, is going to want him to be his successor. You know, I go kind of to the football side of things with uh, Josh Heifel and, and Bob Stoops do not have a good relationship since Bob Stoops fired him in 2014. So when that opening was at Oklahoma, there was a lot of buzz about Josh Heifel. Bob, if Bob Stoops had a heavy, which he did, have a heavy role in choosing who was going to be the new head coach, it was never going to be Josh Heifel. That's where I don't know what the dynamics will be like at Arkansas when Dave Van Horn uh, decides to, to retire and step aside. But if he has a very heavy hand in who the next Arkansas baseball coach is, which you would expect with a legend like that, uh, it's hard for me to think Tony Vitello is going to want to – or he – Dave Van Horn is – Tony Vitello as his successor. That's kind of how I see it on the Arkansas side of things. It's it's weird, you know, because as we're recording this, I, I like right before we started recording, I saw a, a post from – 
Uh, let me pull it up here. It was it was from Sirius XM, College Sports on Sirius XM. Apparently, Dave Van Horn went on and said that he just laughs at everybody because him and Tony hung out in Nashville. They're fine uh, as far as, you know, the, the quote-unquote beef between the two. So, I, I mean, maybe it's just something that we've blown out of proportion because of one thing that was caught on camera. But at the same time, as you mentioned, like, who really knows the truth between what is what is the relationship between the two? Now, switching topics completely, you know, how surprised were you when you learned that I was right when I predicted that Notre Dame was going to beat Tennessee last year? Well, I told you when uh, in Hoover met last year, when you guys were as down as could be about Arkansas and, and Tennessee played really well that weekend, I said, and you guys know it as well as anyone from the 2021 season, you know, these great teams do not do not seem to fare very well in Super Regionals, and Arkansas had plenty of talent to to make it deep still. So I, I was, you know, I wasn't stunned uh, by it from that sense. You know, I think the Vanderbilt team that went like 27 and three in 2013, they lost in the Super Regional. Louisville had a really good team. I think UCLA had really good teams that lost in the Super Regional. So, you know, the history kind of pointed to it. Certainly, uh, you know, I'd still pick Tennessee to win that, that series as they've been good all year. But uh, I think from that aspect of it and kind of the, wildness or the unpredictability of college baseball made it where, you know, maybe we shouldn't have been so surprised. Did you, did you know the, the guy that wrote the article about me that said like, I made some wild prediction. Did you ever see that? No, I did. I didn't see that. What, I, uh, do you know what side it was on? Oh, I can't remember. Let me, let me try to find it. Robert, you asked a question and then I'll find it. All right. Uh, in, in the meantime, let's, let's get a serious prediction for this weekend. I, I'm going to have Arkansas winning two out of three. You know, I, I have a hard time seeing Tennessee winning this series. If you told me what what's more likely, Arkansas sweeps or Tennessee wins the series, I would probably go Arkansas sweeps, but pretty narrow there. I do think the, the thing that's maybe good for Tennessee is that I don't think Arkansas has the high-end talent that Florida or LSU has that they've seen the last two weeks. Uh, I think both those teams were, you know, it was clear they were more talented than Tennessee. I don't necessarily think it's going to be clear that Arkansas is more talented than Tennessee, but from what I can tell, Arkansas seems to be a much more polished baseball team, a more well-put-together baseball team. Uh, a baseball team does the little things well, which Tennessee has struggled this year in large part. That killed them down in, in Baton Rouge two weekends ago. And when you combine that with the fact that it's at Arkansas, it's going to be great crowds all weekend, and, and Tennessee really hasn't been great on the road and hasn't been – great handling those kind of high intensity, high pressure series. Uh, I think it makes Arkansas the, the pretty easy pick. All right. I found it. It was from A to Z sports. Zach. Okay. Reagan, I think that's Zach Reagan. Yeah. No, I don't know Zach like personally, um, but that doesn't surprise me that they were the ones who wrote that article. They, they uh, sound like a politician here in my politician voice. They snatch on the catchy things. We'll say that and uh, try to look for the, the clicky angle, clicky yeah. uh, side angle to get get views. So that that doesn't surprise me that they were they were the ones who wrote that. Okay, they I, don't they aren't even you know like credentialed. I think they're actually out of Nash based out of Nashville. I know they do a lot of Titan stuff too. Um, so they do stuff covering the team, but they're not like you know at the series or anything like that or at the games and in basketball and football. Okay. Well, hey, I appreciate you being a good sport. I, I know you always are, but I, I like to mess with you and the Tennessee fans sometimes. I've tried to dial it down a little bit because I don't I don't want to do it a little too much to where then it just like, you know, gets too watered down, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like I said earlier, there's not a 
Well, Tennessee hasn't done a whole lot to uh, garner poking the bear this season. They haven't been uh, been a sleeping bear, if anything. So uh, it, it comes with the nature of it, and it should be a really exciting. I'll be there this weekend. I'm driving over, so I'm I'm sure I'll see you guys over there sometime this weekend, and, and it should be a lot of fun. I'm really excited to, to see a series of Bob Walker. Yeah, man, looking forward to seeing you. We'll have to go grab a bite to eat if you got some time. Yeah, for sure. All right, Ryan Shumpert of Rocky Top Insider. Thank you so much, man. We appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we can get you on down the road this season. Hopefully these teams meet up again. Sounds great. Appreciate you guys having me on. All right, have a good one. You've been listening to the Diamond Hogs Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Chote Mason and at DRStew32.